Life with diabetes has some highs and lows, but just like in a normal life, you can make choices which help to make your life easier, improve your health and well-being. In the Diabetic and Healthy podcast, we show you how to do just that. We're here to help you put your diabetes worries behind so that you can start enjoying life with a sky-high smile on your face. So let's meet our host for today's show. Here's Charlotte. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Diabetic and Healthy podcast. I hope everyone is doing well and as always thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you have missed the last couple of episodes please do go and check them out because I've done some great interviews for you to to listen to. Um, The first one is the first in a series of new episodes I'm doing called Your Stories. So Your Stories is all about me talking to other people with type 1 diabetes and them sharing their stories. So whether that's their diagnosis, their achievements, or just how they live their lives with type 1, and often some advice for other people with type 1 diabetes. So the first person I have um, interviewed in that series is a guy called Nick Otto. Now, Nick lives in Florida, and he talks all about how diabetes has changed his life, but actually, it's kind of changed his life for the better. So that's a really interesting one to listen to, so please check that out. And last week's episode, I had a very special guest on the show, and that was Chris Rudin. For anyone who isn't familiar with Chris, Chris was diagnosed as having type 1 diabetes at the age of 19. Um, Due to a birth defect, Chris also has uh, only two fingers on his left hand and his left arm is slightly shorter than his right. But that has not stopped Chris doing absolutely anything. Um, He's actually a very, very successful powerlifter and he's a model, a motivational speaker, keynote speaker. Um, so please, please do give that one a listen. Chris is such an inspirational guy and full of great advice. So check that out. If you're listening to the episodes, please remember to hit subscribe. And that means that you will never miss a show. Don't forget, I also have two Facebook groups. Um, One of those is called Diabetic and Healthy Community and the other one is called Type 1 Fit. So those groups are places where you can connect with other people with diabetes and kind of share tips and advice. I also put tips and ideas and updates and things in those groups also. So if you're on Facebook, please do feel free to join those groups. Diabetic and Healthy is also on Instagram. Again, I do post loads of tips and ideas and updates on there. So please do give me a follow. So on today's episode, it is another um, another episode in the Your Story series. So today I am talking to Amy. Amy is 18 years old and she's newly diagnosed as having type 1 diabetes. And actually she was diagnosed right at the very start of a coronavirus lockdown in the UK. So as you can imagine, it's been an an odd few months for for Amy, to say the least. Um, But we discuss her her symptoms, kind of pre-diagnosis, and then we talk about what happened, um, you know, when she was diagnosed. So when Amy went into hospital, she actually found out she was 
extremely poorly and had more than just the diabetes going on. So it's a really, really interesting interview um, to listen to. And we talk about how she's coping with everything now. So this is me talking to Amy. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Amy. How are you? Um, Hello, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Um, So you were only diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in March. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So does it all still feel quite new at this point? Yeah, it does. But slowly getting used to it. And... (laughs) This is quite a quite a big thing for you to do because you were saying you've not really spoken that much about your diabetes yet. No, not like publicly or on social media really. Why why is is there a reason for that? Um it's not really just something I've ever felt the need to post about and I obviously tell my friends and stuff, the close family mm-hmm. and all this. Do any of your friends have diabetes? Do you have any friends that, that are diabetes? Uh, no. Well, I actually recently made a friend with a girl who was diagnosed just weeks before I was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so nice for you to kind of share the experience. and. Yeah, it's nice to relate to someone who's going through the same thing as you are. Yeah, definitely. So do you mind telling us a bit about your kind of diagnosis story and... You know, what what was going on with you, how you felt kind of leading up to your diagnosis? Mm -hmm. Well, in March, it was a Monday morning. I was feeling really kind of shaky, really feverish and just so tired. And I said to mum, there's no way I could go into work that day. And she said, "Okay." she wasn't really sure what was going on, but I was certain it was just kind of bug thing you know as you would expect but um that day I just I was like I slept for the whole day pretty much and it was the same the following day but I deteriorated and I got out of bed to go to the toilet to be sick and my mum took one look at me and she just said that I had to go into hospital because she had already seen that I had lost weight within the two days. Wow okay so it was it was kind of really quick and quite extreme. Yeah, it was. And just in so much pain from not being able to be sick because I had nothing left in me to throw up. But that night I went into the doctors because the doctor had wanted to have a look at me to see what was going on kind of thing. And I went into the doctors and pretty much straight away I was put through to the A&E where I was told I would be seen straight away. And they laid me on the bed, hooked me up to everything. They took me to research and pretty much diagnosed me as a type 1 diabetic straight away. But everything around me was going so fast, I could hardly even process it. Mm. I just wanted to get better. And they said that they would get me feeling better within like half an hour or something. So I was hooked up to the insulin through a drip and getting fluids through. And they're just constantly keeping an eye on me and stuff. This is around eight o'clock, I think. And then that night I was placed into the high dependency unit in the Balfour Hospital. And um, so you were in a really bad way. Like you yeah, was very <laughs> you're kind of playing it down a bit, but <laughs> you, you were seriously yeah, poorly. I was. And um, yeah, 
that was the first night. Well, obviously being newly diagnosed, so I was having blood sugar checked every hour and my ketones as well, because obviously they were very high. And it was the next day where I spoke to one of the doctors, which he diagnosed me with the diabetic ketoacidosis, which is really high blood sugar and can have quite serious effects, which me or my mum didn't really have any idea about. Mm-hmm. So obviously we kind of look more into that and realise how severe it can be. And this was when the doctor told me, we've found this, but you also have an infection within your body and we were not sure what it is. So I spent another night in the high dependency unit constantly being monitored. I kept going through getting really high temperatures and just feeling pretty rotten still, but far better than what I had been. And um, it was the next day they finally got me down to the inpatient ward instead of being in the high dependency. And it was the day after I got placed into there, they said that I could be getting home that day, which obviously is really good to hear after everything going on. And um, I got placed into that ward. I was pretty much ready to go home nearly. And the doctor kind of came in and looked a bit kind of concerned. He was like, are you experiencing any of this and all this? And I said, no, I'm feeling fine. I keep getting a temperature every now and then, but that was it really. So they obviously got the blood results back to which they had discovered the sepsis in my body. (laughs) And um, it was that day that the doctor had told me that I would in fact have to be in hospital for another two weeks. Oh no. (laughs) To a drip with antibiotics. And obviously it was really emotional to hear this because it was just at the start of the coronavirus out well outbreak in the UK mm. like lockdown was pretty much expected and all this and the last place I wanted to be at that time was in a hospital yeah so anyway spent two weeks in the hospital but I feel like it kind of gave me a chance to get used with the diabetes and kind of look more into it because it's not something really any of my family have ever um, dealt with because none of close family actually have it so it's got something kind of new to our family so we're learning curve pretty much and um and there's so much to learn as well isn't there, there is lots <laughs> it's so much to take on board I know still learning as we go but I've got my mum and stuff to help me so that's <laughs> a bonus but it was coming to the end of my hospital stay and I was still getting temperatures so the doctor was like we're going to have to send you away for an MRI because it's only one more thing that this, that could be causing this, which is something called discitis, which they thought I had, which is an inflammatory in the back and spine, I think he said. And I went, I was flown off to Aberdeen on uh, the 24th, I think of March to where I had my MRI and thankfully the results came back I did not have this discitis it was just a small kind of fracture in my back that was causing the pain which I think had been caused from the like me being trying to be sick oh wow yeah (laughs) oh that's awful I know 
So after the MRI, we kind of expected to be going home. So we got a taxi to the airport and everything. And this was just after the lockdown had been introduced. So we were kind of wary about being in Aberdeen anyway. Never mind. And like the way I was. Mm. So we went to the airport and when we got there, uh, they let us know that our flight home had been cancelled. So oh. <laughs> I had to stay a night in Aberdeen. But I found very emotional as well, because you're so sensitive at that kind of... Yeah, you just want to be at home, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we stayed a night there, but it was fine. We got home around four o'clock the next day. And uh, during my hospital stay, I was allowed to go home for tea. So I managed to stay at home for tea that night as well, and then back into the hospital for my next dose of antibiotics. And... Um, it was the day after that uh, they said that there's no more sign of the infection in your blood, so we are able to let you go home. So everything was good, and I was just delighted to hear that, obviously, after everything that's going on and the lockdown and stuff, you just want to be at home with your family mm-hmm. rather than away because the hospital weren't allowing visitors anymore, which was quite hard. Yeah. Uh, but, um, And then after arriving home I found getting used to the diabetes was really frustrating like the blood sugar all over the place and just it not really calming down but now I feel like it was silly of me to expect so much from it after everything that was going on (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah and it was after we arrived home that the nurse had phoned to let me know while I was in hospital that I did in fact have glandular fever at the same time when all this was going on. Oh, that's interesting. That's because, uh, uh, you know, when we've spoken previously, I've told you I was diagnosed at 18 or so. Yeah. And I was originally diagnosed with glandular fever. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then when that didn't get better, it was, they said it was ME. Mine was a very drawn out, mine actually took years. Um, Wow. To, to diagnose but yeah that's interesting mine was originally apparently glandular fever so <laughs> we do seem to have very similar stories yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely and how so you were with your mum most of this time she was kind of your your yeah. then and what was her reaction to it did like did she, was, did she know anything about diabetes or i uh, know it was something completely new to our whole family really but like she always put in lots of effort to try and like find new recipes and stuff that we could all try as a family instead of just me having to have certain types of food Mm -hmm. and um yeah well it was something completely new so we all kind of had no idea about it kind of all learned together yeah (laughs) I think my mom's an expert now yeah yeah so she's I know she's part of uh, my Facebook group and things like that which is great because you really need someone like that like it's really to have a support yeah um so when you got home I'm guessing you told your kind of close friends and yeah and what, what were their thoughts? Did, did they have any idea, like, about diabetes or...? or... Um, I feel like they all kind of knew parts of it, but not really, like, know someone so close to them with it. Like, um, 
obviously, uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> uh, like, they obviously all knew about it, but like when I explained my symptoms to them, they all kind of like, it makes so much more sense now mm. as to why I was like, was never really able to gain weight and stuff. I was always thirsty and hungry and everything. How long had that gone on for before you got kind of really ill? I'm going to say probably about six months. Mm, quite a long time. But obviously, having no one close to me with diabetes, I kind of didn't really just think anything of it. Just missed I just thought, Yeah, I just thought it was the way of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you did have those classic symptoms, so you were like weighing all the time and drinking loads and tired. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm sleeping the whole time and stuff yeah I remember that (laughs) (laughs) um so do you think because obviously this was right at the start of lockdown do you think lockdown has almost been a bit of a help because you can stay in and and focus on on kind of learning and getting used to it or, or do you think it's made it harder I definitely think lockdown was sort of a blessing in disguise for me and everyone around me thinks the same that it's just given me lots of time to get used to a bit know like what's good for me and what isn't instead of just going out say if I went wanted to go on a night out and something really didn't like go well for me and I wouldn't have any idea what to do and neither would the people around me kind of yeah yeah that's given you that opportunity to learn a bit more before you kind of go out and carry on with life I know (laughs) um I know obviously your mum's been a big support have you kind of looked for other support online or what kind of research have you done yourself um my mum had told me about your Instagram page and said that it would be really useful and a lot of the stuff that you post like she knows I can relate to and it's really good to see like I'm not the only one this happens to and obviously my friend who was diagnosed before we always relate about things going on and stuff and see how frustrating it can be all the time and <laughs> yeah there's, there's some things that only diabetics can understand I think. yeah I know <laughs> uh, no that's that's really good that you're getting involved in like yeah you know the whole kind of diabetic online community can be such a massive support because I mean you're really lucky that you have a, a friend that's that's also been diagnosed not so yeah. lucky for them, but it's yeah, the <laughs> um, But it can definitely be a condition. I think that can feel very lonely if you don't know anyone. Um, yeah. But you know, social media is a wonderful thing for, <laughs> for things like diabetes. Because again, you can go on there and 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 talk about things that you know your friends that don't have diabetes just just don't quite get or or yeah relate to. so no it's really good that you're kind of getting involved on in groups and things online um how do you how do you feel about doing injections we haven't talked about that <laughs> injections um i never really had a fear of needles but i think to start with the finger pricking was my biggest fear <laughs> having to do it like the whole time to do it like breaking yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> it's that part of just getting ready to do it and having to do it the idea of having to do it in public and stuff but obviously now I'm completely over that and it's just the way of life now and it's not going to go away so <laughs> and that is a massive thing that you've just 
just said right there because I think it takes some people a long long time to get their head around that I know with me there was kind of a big delay in accepting it so you just yeah. go into autopilot and you're, you're doing your injections and checking your blood and you've changed the way you eat and for me it was you know quite a few months later but it kind of hit me that oh wow this is you know this is it Matt like I've got to do yeah. this forever so the fact yeah. that you've just said that is a, is a really big thing because I think that's a massive part in kind of accepting it and getting your head around it but it's just mm. a new way of life now you know it's just like a yeah. new lifestyle not necessarily one you would have chosen no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of the way things are now yeah. um, so you're getting on fine with doing your injections and things like that but not not bothering you too much yeah some of them are quite painful but then others you don't feel it's weird but <laughs> yeah yeah we know about it when you hit a nerve <laughs> I know yes. <laughs> jump um so how do you how do you feel looking forward now obviously lockdown's easing and we're going to be kind of going back to to some kind of normal yeah. um, how do you feel do you feel quite positive about it do you feel anxious I do feel quite positive about it because I'm so lucky to have the people around me that I do that are like really quite interested in getting to know my illness as much as think I do mm-hmm. and being able to help me if I ever needed it yeah. when we were out together. They don't, I've never ever been made to feel uncomfortable about it around my friends or anyone I'm with. Yeah. Everyone's so kind about it and it's really nice actually. That's really nice. Again, it makes a massive difference. It does. <laughs> well, that's when you know they're proper friends as well, isn't it? If, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> if they weren't so nice about it, you'd start to question that. <laughs> um, what is your What's your biggest concern? Is there Is there one particular thing that worries you about having diabetes? Um, nothing that really screams out. Obviously, it's something no one really wants to have. But then I don't think I really change it as well I feel like like the new diet and stuff I am feeling just so much better with myself mm-hmm. and having gained that weight that I hadn't before is quite good as well obviously gaining weight is quite scary to begin with but realizing how unhealthy and just poorly I was before yeah it's not until you look back you don't kind of see it, it is. The time, <laughs> yeah. and then when you have <laughs> your weight back on and you look back you're like oh Oh my gosh, I look so ill, but because yeah. you know, we see ourselves every day, don't we? So you don't don't see it so extreme. I know. But yeah, no, you look you look well, you look healthy. Thank you. <laughs> you do. Um uh what was I gonna say? So moving forward, do you think there's any changes you're gonna have to make to your lifestyle so you said you've kind of you know you're you've got a healthier diet I mean did you exercise regularly or anything like that before uh before I no I didn't exercise really at all I was quite well very not unfit but just couldn't really be bothered because obviously I had no energy the whole time Mm. but I feel after being diagnosed I was really quite determined, like getting out walks and stuff. And recently I've been swimming in the sea with my friend and I feel that it's really actually oh, wow. so positive for your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting the amount of people with type one that I speak to 
but do actually see the diagnosis as a positive or as something they needed to happen to change their lifestyle. And it's, yeah. you know, it's a shame for us, but it's taken this. To- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, it, you know, it can be a really positive thing because we kind of look at things a little bit differently and just start making like healthier choices about things. Mm-hmm. Um, is there kind of a piece of like what's the best bit of advice you've had so far or um, it could be something you've seen or you've read or that a consultant said or probably just like never expect things to be like perfect mm-hmm. don't expect too much from it because it's a difficult illness to handle and like there's obviously ups and downs the whole time sometimes you can have a really good week and sometimes it could just be really get on top of you but we have to realize that that's just the way it is in that <laughs> well I think you've got an excellent attitude towards it <laughs> and I'm, I'm a bit I'm a bit jealous that I didn't find my positive <laughs> attitude as as quickly as you have I think you been amazing thank um, you because it's still yeah gosh March is still really new for you but mm-hmm your your positive attitude will get you a long way I think yeah. it's such such an important part of um of kind of dealing with it and you know in the long term it's going to make a massive difference yeah for sure well thank you so so much for doing this and sharing your story thank you so much for having me no you're very <laughs> welcome I really appreciate it and so will so many other you know people especially people that are newly diagnosed just to hear Mm -hmm. that not the end of the world and yeah be positive and make good lifestyle changes and it's you know it's not all bad it's not the end of the world yeah it's not all bad (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much again and i look forward to hearing how you get on kind of moving forward thank you (laughs) okay thanks amy thank you Oh, how lovely is Amy? I loved doing that interview. Um, I genuinely think it's amazing that she has got such a good grasp of diabetes already and a really positive attitude towards it because it makes so much difference. Hopefully I will catch up again with Amy kind of a bit later down the line and I can share with you all how she's getting on. So if you have enjoyed today's episode, please do leave a review and hit subscribe so you never miss a show. Next week's show is all about um, diabetes burnout and how social media might contribute to it. So quite an interesting one. Um, That does bring us to the end of this show. So thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, stay safe and stay healthy this episode has ended but your journey towards a healthy and happy life continues head on over to diabeticandhealthy.com and join the conversation with other diabetics and their families all the information in this episode is not designed to replace the advice from the health professional team looking after you and your diabetes before making any significant lifestyle changes do consult them with your doctor 